I greet you all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Welcome to Devoted Devotions. My name is Tandy and let us get into it. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit before we begin. My Heavenly Father, as we gather together, removing all the distractions, we submit of our minds, our bodies and our spirits to you. May you pour out your Holy Spirit that we may learn directly from your throne and directly from your word and your word alone. Remove any spirit that is not yours, Father, that at the end we may come to repentance and be one step closer to looking like you, to looking like Christ. This is our wish and our desire, Father. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. I'm not going to be long in this intro because we have a lot to get through, but I pray this message reaches the person that it needs to. I pray the Holy Spirit uses my tongue at this moment and that your ears may receive the word. Sermons are very oversaturated with um, feel-good motivational speeches these days to the point where we are starting to get a distorted sense of what it means to be a child of God. And so when I prayed, asking God what he wanted to be shared with his people, he reminded me that the walk of faith requires discernment. And yet this is a skill that we are not taught to cultivate within ourselves. We're not exercising this in our daily walks. So as we get into this topic, please understand that we have indeed invited the Holy Spirit here. And so I'm under the ninth commandment that instructs me to not bear false witness. I cannot share things that make you feel comfortable in sin because it will kill you. It will also kill me <laughs> because I'm bearing false witness. The word says that God's children are perishing for lack of knowledge. Let's not perish because we don't know, but instead let's fortify our minds. I'm not here to massage these issues and walk on eggshells. If it offends you, then good. Because then you are being shown an area in your life that needs to be given over to the Most High. An area that can be used by the Holy Spirit. An area that needs to be transformed to be more like the image of Christ. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our minds as found in Romans chapter 12 verses 2. Please understand this is not an easy area of scripture that we're going to tackle. In fact, if we look at Matthew 13 verses 5 to 6 and 20 and 21, we're familiar with the parable of the seed, right? We know the seed is the word and the ground it falls on represents the different heart conditions of people. For example, if they're ready to receive the gospel or not. Jesus himself says that the seed that falls on stony ground was well received, but when tribulation or persecution arises, he is offended. And so I pray that the spirit of offense is removed from your hearts at this moment because that spirit will keep you out of the kingdom. 
it will keep you from receiving the truth of the word of God. Amen. Okay, and before we also begin, um, I want us to just praise God and, and revere his holy name. There's so much about God that we don't know. And the things that we do know about him, we don't understand to its entirety, you know. I mean, like, how can we? He is an infinite being. And we are so finite. And the reason this is being brought up is because sometimes we focus too much on what the enemy is doing and not enough on who God is. Every time you read God's word, there is something that he is revealing about his character. So you need to pay attention. God's word, his law, his name, and his character are the truth. You cannot separate them. You can't pick and choose, right? We, we said that we can't love God for his mercy and his loving kindness and his blessings, but despise him for his judgment because those judgments are faithful. We serve a God who created the heavens, the earth, and everything in it with his word. A God whose word does not return to him unless it has achieved the purpose that it was set out to, as stated in Isaiah. So, Going into this topic, please understand this about God first. This is the God that we serve first. This is the God of the Bible. One, he cannot lie. It is impossible. You know how they say um, there's nothing that God can't do? Well, there is. God can't act out of his character. God cannot lie. The references for this statement are found in Numbers 23 verses 19, Titus 1 verses 2, and Hebrews 6 verses 18. The second point is that God is the embodiment of the truth. There is no darkness in him as found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5. The third point is that what he says comes to pass. His words do not fall to the ground. Matthew 24, verses 35. And please remember this, because it will form as the foundation of our discussion. Have you ever bought something online, and then when it finally arrived, you were disappointed because... It looked nothing like the picture. Or maybe you've seen a girl or a guy on social media and then when you meet them in real life, they look completely different. Or maybe you've ordered food at a restaurant because the photo looked so appetizing, but then when you got it, it was really disappointing. And I'm sure you've heard of artists who get cheated out of money because they sign these um, record deals that seem fancy but they are actually really artistically crippling. There's a word for this. Thinking you're getting one thing, but then receiving another. 
Today, I want to share something that's very important for us as Christians to know. Christians being the definition in the book of Acts, the followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ. This is not new information also. Um, I'm not preaching a new gospel. <laughs> I just think that it's necessary for it to be reiterated, especially in the times that we live in. We'll start with Jesus's most famous sermon, which takes up a whole two chapters. So it's obviously very important because it's very specific as to what he said. It's not just a summary of maybe the points he made at the beginning of the sermon or the concluding points at the end. But it's everything he said about that. So we're going to look at Matthew 24. I encourage you to actually read this in your own time, but for the lack of time <laughs> um, I'm going to um, just read the first 12 verses or be speaking around the first 12 verses this is the Olivet Discourse and here we're just going to talk about something that stands out to me it actually slips through the cracks but when you zoom in it's extremely profound okay Matthew chapter 24 verses 1 to 12. Um, for the sake of time, I'm actually just going to read a few verses, but I'll tell you which verses I'm reading. So the first two verses are of the disciples showing Jesus the temple, right? And um, he ends up telling them that this temple is going to be destroyed. And so when they sit down on the mount, the disciples are asking when these things will happen, right? And verses 4 says, Jesus answered them and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. Verses 6, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass. But this is not the end yet. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Verses 10. Oh, let's go to verses 9. Verses 9, They shall deliver you up to be afflicted. They will kill you. You will be hated of all nations for my sake verses 10 then many shall be offended and betray one another and shall hate one another and many false prophets shall rise and deceive many the love of many will wax cold fast forward to verses 24 for there shall arise false christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Okay, so here we see that Jesus is answering the question that was posed to him. And what he says is a series of prophetic patterns. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. So I encourage you to read your Bibles every single day, because the more you read, the more these patterns are revealed to you. Our churches usually preach on the wars and the rumors of wars when they speak on this chapter, or they'll even make the comparison as to the days of Noah. But I want to keep it simple. 
the one thing Jesus repeated more than anything during this sermon was to not be deceived. He emphasizes this more than the wars and the famine. Do not be deceived. Verses 4, take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. Verses 11, and many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Verses 24, they will show, these false prophets will show signs, great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. You can't ignore it. And so let's talk about deception. What is deception? How do we identify it so that we don't get deceived? What are the most common things that people are deceived by? And how do we combat deception? These are some of the questions that we're going to discuss in this episode. Oh, and guys, brace yourself. I'll be saying the word deception a lot. What is deception? Do you remember the examples we used to introduce this topic? Thinking you're getting one thing, but actually you receive another. But to understand this, let's go back to the beginning. The book of Genesis not only denotes the beginning of the world, but the beginning of deception in the world. The first chapter, we see the origins of the universe. The second chapter zooms in on this that has been created and places its focus on the Garden of Eden. This is the pinnacle of creation, right? In chapter three, men and women were already created and given the instruction to not eat of the tree. This instruction came with a consequence. You shall surely die. Now, here's where it starts to get tricky. The God who cannot lie said, you shall surely die if you do this. And here comes Satan. Just a quick side note. Did you know that the word Satan is actually not a name, but a title? Which, when translated from the Hebrew, means an adversary or an enemy. But we're going to talk about this later. So this enemy, Satan, comes in. He enters the scene and he does three things. He asks a leading question. If any of you have studied law, you'll understand what this means. He's asking a question that suggests the type of answer that he wants, right? He wants to extract a certain response. He already knew what God said. So why did he need it to be clarified? The second thing he does is quote God. And the third thing he does is contradict the very word that he has quoted. And we know how the story goes. Eve looked at it. She saw it was good for food and she ate. Here's the thing, though. The tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. So when Eve saw this tree, she only perceived the good and not the evil. This is why it is so dangerous for us to trust our own understanding above God's wisdom, because we do not perceive evil. We do not have 20-20 vision when it comes to this. 
The saddest part about this is that Eve disobeyed God based on a lie. She was deceived. Being deceived means to believe in something that is not true. She believed the opposite of what God had told them. And God is the truth. So the opposite of what God says is automatically a lie. For example, there are actual human beings who believe that there is more than one way to the kingdom. There is more than one way to God. They believe a lie. They are deceived. And how do we identify this so that we don't get deceived? As a church, as, as the body of Christ, we need to be able to have the skill lest we fall into temptation and commit sin against our creator. Here's the thing though. This isn't something that we can acquire ourselves, but it's but we can definitely take steps towards it, right? Discernment requires wisdom. You need to be wise enough to see when it's happening, okay? So, how do we get wisdom? Fear God. In every aspect of your life, submit to him. And I hope I'm not speaking Christianese because this is aimed at um, practical approaches. When you genuinely fear God, there are certain things that you cannot do because you don't want to dishonor him. There are certain places that you don't go because you don't want to bring shame to his name. And there are certain people that you avoid because they steer you away from him. And when you love God with all your heart, your mind, your body, and your spirit, and you realize that a person is drawing you away from that very um, presence, you'll realize how terrible it is to be away from God. You won't want to jeopardize your relationship with him. Deception is a tactic used by the enemy alongside coercion and idolatry. Oh, and we all know how easy it is for us as humans to fall into idolatry. Understanding deception is the key to understanding the spirit of Satan. Because before it can make you sin, it has to deceive you. It has to make you believe a lie. It has to make you believe the opposite of God's word. So you think it's right, but it's really not. It gets you to do something wrong that you think is right. How many women are murdering their own babies in the womb because they were told that their baby is just a bunch of cells? Oh, it's not a big deal. It will be like it never happened. It is a lie. Do not be deceived. How many men and women are being told that they don't need each other? It is a lie. Do not be deceived. 
folks, you can identify deception by the sole fact that it opposes what God says. And here's the thing, though. You have to know the word. You have to know what's in it. So that when you are confronted with these fantastic ideas, these ideologies or these practices that oppose God's word, you are able to reject it immediately because you see it for the poison that it is. So yes, once again, I encourage you to spend more time in prayer and reading the word redeeming the times because the days are indeed evil. The book of Romans says that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And so if it still doesn't make sense, please pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you because this is a matter of life and death. When it comes to discernment, you cannot do it without the spirit of discernment. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 to 6 just to establish this principle again. Hopefully it will become much clearer. The serpent says to Eve, did God really say that you can't eat from the tree? In verse 2 she responds, we can eat of the fruit of the trees, just not the one in the middle. We shouldn't even touch it or we should die. In verse 3 the serpent responds, you will certainly not die. God knows that if you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. By the way, guys, this is how idolatry falls under deception. The act of trying to be like or um, above God and in the way of overruling decisions that God has made, right? It's that spirit of I will set my stars above the stars of God. It's the same spirit. When God has said something, you submit to it, you obey it. You do not go toe to toe with God. And so she sees the tree and the more she looked at it, the more desirable it became. She ate the fruit and gave it to her husband, causing him to sin. And the rest is history. And the thing that we see here is that the serpent is coming to Eve, misquoting what God had said. God didn't tell them that they shouldn't eat of the fruit of the trees. He only specified the one that they should not eat from. But here the serpent is saying the complete opposite. He makes it seem like they are oppressed because they can't eat from this tree. And Eve clarifies what God says. And in doing so, she shows that she knows what the instruction was, so she cannot plead ignorance. Then the serpent completely disregards what God said and tells her that she won't die, but she will be like God. And when she looked at the tree, it became more appealing. Satan persuaded Eve to disregard God's instruction based on a lie rooted in idolatry you will be like god why would you want to be like god god is god and there is none like him your alarm bell should go off when you hear that 
Whenever you hear phrases like, it's your life, you can do whatever you want. Deception, coercion, and idolatry. And when you fall for it, you bring others down with you. Because Eve didn't just eat the fruit alone and keep it to herself, right? She went and polluted Adam, thus bringing the curse on humanity. And what does this mean that she ate from that tree? It means that they chose that they wanted to decide what is good and evil for themselves and not follow what God says. And you are safer when you just obey God. God says you may eat of all the trees, just not this one. God's word indeed tells us that men and women are indeed supposed to join in sexual intercourse, but only in the confines of marriage. And how many times do we see the enemy come along and sell you a lie? You see your friends doing it and nothing happens. Then you start looking at this forbidden fruit and seeing that it's good for fruit. Do not be deceived. God's law is not oppressive. It is here to protect you. And only death comes from disobedience. We looked at the things that are outside the confines of marriage in um, Unadulterated. If you haven't um, listened to that episode, feel free to go and check it out. Another question we need to ask is how we know whether we've been deceived. Because there are people who think the earth is flat and they don't think that they have been deceived. There are people who believe the earth came to existence millions of years ago and they don't think they've been deceived. There are people who even believe that they evolved from apes and they certainly don't think that they are deceived. Whatever anyone believes, they don't think that they are deceived. They don't think that they are holding on to a lie. This is why it is so important that all your beliefs need to be rooted on something more than what you think. They need to be rooted on the word of God, which is the authority in this world. Okay, so what are some of the things that we can get deceived by? Matthew chapter 13, verses 6 and 22. We looked at this briefly earlier. This is the parable of the seed. Verses 6 says, Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Verse 22 illustrates that a person who hears the word. This is a person who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Jesus says that wealth is deceitful. Remember when he was tempted, the enemy said, I will give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. Ask yourself, are you able to reject wealth that does not come from God? Or do we want to be wealthy no matter what? Is prostituting yourself for wealth and luxury worth it? Revelations chapter 13 tells us that the beast 
looked like a lamb, but he spoke the words of a dragon. Matthew twenty four verses four to five and verses ten. The disciples remember the disciples are asking, "What is the sign going to be?" And Jesus' response is that we should watch out that no one is deceiving us. Because many will come saying that they are the Messiah. What does this mean? A Messiah refers to an anointing, right? Many people will be deceived by false anointings. How many people do we see follow prophets or pastors because, oh, they have such an amazing anointing? You have already been deceived. I've also seen people who follow prophets based on signs and wonders. Matthew 22 verses 10 and 11 says, These people will be able to perform great signs and wonders to deceive. And you're probably thinking, Tandy, if they can perform signs and wonders, they must be from God, right? Wrong. The only anointing that is supreme above any anointing is the anointing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died for us on the cross of Calvary. The only sign that we should be focused on is the fact that he was dead and that he rose again. Any other sign is just gravy. Just because they can perform signs and wonders, it does not mean that they are from God. The beast deceived people by miracles. Revelations 13 verses 14. People will interpret your dreams and tell you your future. And that will all come from an evil spirit. Ask yourself, who does this sign give praise to? Is this sign strengthening my relationship with God? Christ and is God glorified through Christ or am I now glorifying this person and having to come back to this person to receive these signs and wonders false prophets are always going to want the approbation for themselves they want their praise for themselves They never give glory to God. They will never acknowledge Jesus Christ. They will never encourage you to have your own relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Instead, they will make you feel like you need them. Almost like you have to have a relationship with God through them. You need them for that relationship with God, right? So it's a relationship by proxy. And I'm here to tell you that you need to tear down that idol. Get rid of people who make you depend on them instead of trusting on God. They are deceiving you. Because they can't even save themselves. And so do not be deceived by signs and wonders. Because Jesus said that we would only be given the sign of Jonah. Jesus Christ is the only sign that we need. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 to 10. 
or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, or slanderers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom. This is another thing that people are deceived by. And Paul is saying, do not be deceived. Do not believe a lie. You cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven if you live a life that is based on these things. And there's a belief that some people hold that you can live any way that you want and God will still save you. Do not be deceived. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God if you choose to live a lifestyle that goes against the way that he has created you to live. A way that he has called you to live. This is not to say that people are not living in this but this is to say that God calls you out of this. Are you not a brand that is plucked out of the fire? You cannot be in and out of the fire at the same time. You cannot be in Egypt and in the promised land at the same time. You've got to let some things go. And you are deceived if you think that grace allows you to live any way that you want. No. Grace gives you the strength to live correctly. Because some of us were indeed these people. Another thing that we can get deceived by is chasing a, a Red Sea experience. We always want to hear from God. We always want to see these miracles. And this is what leads to being deceived by the signs and wonders. Another deception comes from understanding how God speaks to us. Following people who claim to hear from God and write things down that Jesus has told them. I actually saw that there was a book um, and I encourage you to stay away from that book. It's called Jesus Calling. And in the preface of that book, the author says that um, she was sitting down in her bedroom and she wanted to hear from God, but she wanted more than the word of God. She wanted more than just scripture. She wanted something more. That is a deception. A very blasphemous deception at that. Folks, God's word is sufficient. It is all-encompassing. Everything you can, will, and do need is found in the word of God. You do not need more than God's word. And so this author sits down and she pens this book. And I just want us to quickly follow this logic. Because if she is writing down the things that, air quotes, Jesus is telling her to write, that's almost a, a John on the Isle of Patmos experience, right? Would that not be elevated to the same level as scripture? 
And if that's elevated to the same level of scripture, then it should be added. It should be the 67th book of the Bible, right? But the only problem is that the Bible says, do not add to this word. Do you see the problem that we have here with wanting more than scripture? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived by people who are claiming that God is speaking to them. God does speak, but the way he's speaking to us in this time, in this era that we are in, post-Christ, is different to the way that he used to speak to people in the word of God. Right? Those actual experiences. And I'm basing this because obviously I'm not going to, I don't want to say anything that is outside of scripture because I am not above scripture. I'm basing this in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 2, which says that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And through him, he also created the world. The King James Version says, God, who at sundry times or past times in diverse manners, very different ways, he spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. And he has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and by whom he made the worlds. God is not going to audibly speak to one person and not audibly speak to another. God speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is sufficient. Anyone who comes to you and tells you that that is not sufficient is trying to deceive you. I hope that is clear. God's word in Christ is sufficient for us. Okay, so just to list off, um, I'm obviously not going to go into depth with these ones, but I'm just listing things that we can get deceived by. So we've covered wealth, we've covered um, anointings, we've covered prophets because they are false prophets who will deceive many we've covered signs and wonders we've covered hyper grace we are saved by salvation alone through christ alone by faith alone it is not a i can do whatever i can live whatever because we're sinful anyways no we strive, we crucify the flesh every day. And that's not to say that we're not going to fall. But when we do, we need to repent. We don't stay and accept that state of fallenness, right? We, some people are deceived by literal facts of the Bible. The virgin birth, the miraculous life, the crucifixion, the resurrection. We base this in 2 John chapter 1, verses 7. There's people who believe in no consequences. You can live and do whatever you want and you're not going to ever reap um, the consequences of that. Galatians 6, verses 7 says the complete opposite. There's some people who are deceived by legalism. 1 Timothy chapter 4 tells us about this. 
Some people are deceived by a different gospel. And, and, and so just be aware of these things. Read your Bible so that you know what's in it. So that whenever you are presented with ideas that oppose it, you are able to reject it. So how do we combat deception? 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 to 5. Paul tells us that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against it. Verses 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. The King James Version says, We need to cast down imaginations and high things that exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Other versions talk about these lofty opinions that need to be destroyed. <laughs> this actually reminds me of, of David when, when he comes into contact with Goliath, with this uncircumcised Philistine. He needed to be brought down because how dare he speaks against um, the living God. And so on one hand, we need to destroy these arguments. And how do we destroy these arguments? By rooting them in the word. Anything that is not in the word is not of the word. And in our minds as well. We need to make our thoughts obedient to obey Christ. So externally, when you're opposed with these things, no, they need to be destroyed. If it's against the knowledge of God, no. Reject, reject, reject. In your mind, you submit, you submit, you submit. Your thoughts must be obedient to Christ. You understand? And I just want us to briefly recall what we stated in the beginning. Those three things about God, they're not the only things that are true about God, obviously, but just for the benefit of what we are discussing now. And remember that Christ is God. John chapter 1, the word became flesh. And when Christ was in warfare, he stood on the word. Christ recognized that he was in warfare and he responded with weapons of warfare. And this is such a powerful moment because if Christ fell at that moment, we would have no hope of salvation. The book of Revelations, remember, it was that dilemma of who is worthy to open this book. And at that moment in the temptation, I know it's such a, a short passage, but that's actually the pinnacle of like our salvation. In fact, Christ's entire life is the pinnacle of our salvation. So there is no moment that is um, more important than the other. I guess I'm just emphasizing it because just because it's like 12 or 13 verses, it does not mean that it's less important. That was the moment that Christ proved his worth. 
that was the moment that God himself showed us that he's not just sitting far away um, in the in the glory of heaven and not able to relate to what we are going through. He knows exactly what we are experiencing here on this earth because he went through it himself. Because if he didn't experience it, then we would be like, well, you don't know what it's like to be human because you were never human. Christ Christ went through things that we experienced to show us how to deal with it. He's not telling us to do something that he cannot do himself. And so it's, I know sometimes we understand that Christ is God, but sometimes it's difficult to understand that he's also, he was also fully human. And in his humanness, the word tells us that he was also hungry. He was in a, in a weaker state of being. He was vulnerable. Which is a direct contrast of what happened with Eve. Eve wasn't hungry when she was tempted. She didn't need to eat that fruit because she was starving. And I hope this brings the realization that we are indeed in a pit that we cannot pull ourselves out of. And Christ's temptations were not less heavy because he is God as well. This was a real man who went through and experienced real temptation. And just briefly, these three temptations, if you are the son of God. What? The previous chapter literally just told us that God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The enemy really couldn't find something else to test him on. This is the same thing as did God really say? This was a cosmic wrestle and a struggle because he had just heard that you are my son. And so this temptation spoke to not just supplying physical needs, but this is, this is about impatience and dissatisfaction and self-will and doubt. Because this is questioning what God had already said. This temptation speaks to taking matters into your own hands. And I've been in the book of Samuel lately. And this is something that Saul really struggled with. Taking matters into his own hands. When Samuel wasn't there to um, proceed with the sacrifice. Saul starts taking matters into his own hands and he starts doing it himself. This denotes a lack of faith towards the father. The second one was, I can give you all of this. <laughs> this one is funny because the book of Psalms says, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. Everything that it contains is God's. There is no kingdom without the cross. 
This is a temptation of self-denial. This is a deception that is going on right now. You don't have to follow Christ. There is an easier way. You don't have to do what is in the Bible. There is an easier way. And the third temptation, this is when um, the enemy is quoting the Bible because he sees that, you know, he's being met with the word. This speaks to trying to force the father to act. And this is the same um, temptation that actually followed Jesus throughout his ministry, but more especially when he was on the cross, in the moment where he was experiencing excruciating levels of pain. They were saying, get down, you saved others, but you can't save yourself. They wanted him to prove that he was the Messiah by getting off the cross. But he proved that he was the Messiah by staying on that cross. If you trust God, then you don't need tests. You just trust God. And after he had accomplished this victory, it was checkmate for the devil. Victory had been accomplished on the cross. This sacrifice was accepted to God and proven by his resurrection. You have the power to send the devil right back to hell. Call on Jesus when you need him because you have him. Eve thought that this was an innocent conversation. Meanwhile, she was involved in cosmic spiritual warfare. You need to pray every single day that you're not caught slipping like this because the devil is a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And let me tell you that he does not play fair. He is not going to take it easy on you because you're having a bad day or because you you don't feel like praying or you weren't paying attention to the sermon so you forgot the message that was meant to give you encouragement for that season understand that every single day you spend on this side of the promised land is war when you start your day and end your day without reading the word it's like going to the front lines of russia wearing a towel You would never do that. Then why are you not prioritizing your prayer life? Why do you drag your feet or pray only as an afterthought? Or maybe you pray only when you're tired. Some of us are even distracted when we're praying. Physically there, but the mind is far away. Others can stay up all night binging series or you know, watching things or being on social media. But then the second that it's time to pray, they get sleepy. You know what? Here's an example. Go to your phone, go to your settings and check your screen time. How much time do you spend on your gadgets, on your devices? Does that compare to the time that you spend in prayer? 
to the time that you spend reading the word of God. Guys, this is spiritual warfare and I am sounding the trumpet for you to stock up on oil now because the hour is indeed coming. We need to put on the full armor of God. The word of truth has told us that we should not lean on our own understanding. You know that saying, um, let's not reinvent the wheel. This applies in our own lives. We don't need to rethink things that God has already concluded. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 verses 27 that God created mankind in his image. Man and women, he created them. And so it's not debatable that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. This is a satanic idea that is designed to defile God's image. And this is not to say that people are not going to be deceived by these things. But it is to say that we should not lean on our own understanding. Ask yourself what God has said about it. Ask yourself who God says you are. And get your validation from God. You will have more peace in your life accepting who and what God has called you to be rather than trying to morph yourself into something else. You know, um, I always thought I had a big nose because I was always told I had a big nose. And um, I had come across a, an interview on YouTube of this girl who had gone through two plastic surgeries trying to make her nose smaller. And after the second procedure, they botched her nose. And now she cannot even breathe through her nose. And she can't smell anything. And she spends 20 hours um, a day with her nose wrapped in gauze because it starts to leak and bleed. Now just imagine how all that pain, heartache, and misery could have been avoided had she just accepted the nose that she was given. That girl will never be able to smell perfume again. She will never be able to smell roses or the scent of freshly baked bread. Sorry, <laughs> I just like baking, so that was the scent that came to mind. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? And I'm not speaking on medical um, procedures that need to happen. You know, I'm speaking on these luxury cosmetic procedures that you think, oh, I just want to fix myself here. No. What has God given you? What has God called you to be? In this generation where children are now being pushed to have cosmetic surgery on their genitals. Oh. We are really battling wickedness in high, high places. Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 20. Please read this in your own time. This, this verses 10 starts off by telling us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not in the power of the prophet's might or the power of your pastor's might. Be strong in the power of God's might. 
it says to put on the full armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This tells us that we actually can stand against temptation if we put on this armor. Christ showed us that it is possible. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, right? Against spiritual wickedness in high places. The thing is, when the Bible is read by unbelievers, everything reads as a metaphor. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to tell you right now that this is not a metaphor. Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, is giving us the formula to stand during spiritual warfare. Verses 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about the truth, having the breastplate of righteousness. Your loins, what are your loins? Your loin is your core, right? What does it mean to gird? This means to, to hold close. And what is the truth? Is Jesus not the way, the truth, and the life? What is a breastplate? What does a breastplate protect? That's the part that goes, that's a part of armor that goes in front, right? So that would protect your vital organs, your heart, your liver, your stomach. And what is righteousness? Romans chapter 4 verses 3 says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham's belief was equated to righteousness. So our belief in God can protect our hearts. The word says praying always. Um, in the episode of Glory Revealed, I spoke on prayer. Um, there's three points in prayer. So I'm not going to reiterate those points. If you don't know them or if you have forgotten them, please go back and just remind yourself or go through it for the first time. Um, I can't go through that list for lack of time, but um, do follow up on it because your salvation counts on it. Do not be afraid to speak the truth of God's word, regardless of the consequences. And this brings me to the point just before um, we wrap up. We can know the Bible back to front, but it remains useless unless we begin to apply it. Read this passage. Read about the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you so that you can stand in the evil day. Because we can know the Bible back to front, but it remains useless until we begin to apply it. And this is why I, I'm, I'm trying to steer away from elaborate things. This is practical approaches. Because even this fallen world sees the value in application. Those of us who went to school know that your teachers or your lecturers or your textbooks 
give you the information or the theory. And then in the assignment, test or exam, you have to apply what you have learned. Practical, applied Christianity. Knowing and applying. Basically, living the Bible. Jesus prayed for the church to be united in the word of truth. John 17 verses 20 to 21. God wants to restore the relationship that he had with Adam and Eve before the fall. In our lives, there will also come enemies of God. Adversaries, people who are in rebellion to God, who will approach you with the sole purpose of trying to derail you, trying to get you to disobey God. The book of Romans tells us that the mind that is rooted in the flesh is hostile against God. And the devil will take on any disguise to get you to sin. Understand that the enemy will use any appearance to appeal to you. He will make it look good or even fun. It may be a beautiful woman or a handsome man trying to convince you to defile God's temple. It may be a cool group of friends trying to convince you that drugs really aren't that bad. It may be your own parent trying to convince you to leave the church, stop reading the Bible and follow family traditions. It could even be your own spouse telling you to curse God and die. It may be social media promoting witchcraft. Whatever it is, whatever form he takes, when you know God's word, then the second you hear someone saying something that directly contradicts it, you must understand that you are in spiritual war and your sword needs to be drawn. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Eve did not resist. She entertained the devil. So just to sum up before we close, we serve a truthful God in whom there is no darkness. We can trust in what he says because his words never run empty. They never return empty, rather. The enemy will try to deceive us and try to get us to believe a lie. But we need not fall for these things. Because we need to stay prayed up and reading the word. And we can learn from the example that Christ has set and put on the full armor. And just two tips to become more discerning or wise is to read the book of Proverbs. It's actually a very practical book in approaching um, discernment. And the second tip is to run everything that you hear through the word. Test the spirit to the law of God and to the testimony of Christ. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And what's also important to remember, there is no temptation that God will give you that you cannot bear. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13. Everything we say needs to be rooted in the word. Okay, there is no temptation 
that takes you, but such as common to man. Because God is faithful, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you can handle. But also will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you are able to bear it. So whatever you are being tempted with are things that you are able to overcome, are things you are able to escape. He has given you the power to do so. He has given you the authority to do so. And he's given you the armor that you need to do so. Every single day from here on out, you have two options. Just like Eve, are you going to trust and obey God? Or are you going to decide for yourself? This day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, therefore, choose life so that you and your children may live. Deuteronomy 30 verses 19. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows is what he will reap. Sow in obedience and you will reap the fruit of obedience. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your care, your guidance and your protection. We ask that your Holy Spirit may cement and solidify the word that has been shared to us at this moment. We understand, Father, that deception is indeed a Trojan horse. It comes in looking like one thing to make us believe that it is this, but in fact it is not. And so, Father, we declare this day that we only want your word. We only want the truth that is found in your word and not found in the world. Fill us with your spirit. Help us put on this armor, Father, that we may be able to stand in the evil day. We know this is possible because we have asked in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.